Today, I'm interviewing Vincent Pugliese from the Total Life Freedom Podcast. He did an episode called Doing It Wrong Right From the Start. My buddy Scott Johnson from What Was That Like said, you should have this guy on the show. And I love the fact that we all kind of have this idea of best practices, and we kind of all fall in and end up doing kind of the same show, at least the same format. And Vincent is a guy that's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And I wanted to bring him on just so you can see, yeah, you you don't really have to, to follow the rules if you don't want to. If you want to do your own thing, you can do that. And he's had great success. Now, the other thing is that I want to point out here is when I travel on the road, one of the things I do once I get in my hotel and I'm all unpacked is I then go downstairs and walk around the block outside to see what options are available. And I talked to Vincent back in December, and at the time he was busy writing this book called The Wealth of Connection. And when he finally got it done, he's like, hey, I'm I'm happy to come on the show. And again, I wanted to talk to him about this whole doing it wrong right from the start. And he said, yeah, I, I just finished my book. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's some sort of business book. And so that's kind of like here, I had this resource, Vincent, Puyezi, and I didn't walk around the block. I didn't read his book. I didn't like, is that really going to be pertinent to podcasting? And the question is, oh my God, yes, is it pertinent to podcasting? And I didn't read the book. It's one of my favorite books now. It's filled with either a lesson that is followed by a story or a story that's followed by a lesson. And it's all about growing your network. It's, again, called The Wealth of Connection. We are going to talk about it a little bit today, but we have some other great stories that we're going to talk about in starting things again. The uh, doing it wrong right from the start. We're going to talk about that kind of as because of my podcast stories, but this guy has amazing stories. I'll have links out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 828 where you can get the book, The Wealth of Connection. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and hey, even if you want to monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you go to schoolofpodcasting.com and sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And so today we are going to talk to Vincent, but we have a pretty awesome because of my podcast story. Aloha, Dave. I am Kamuela Kanashiro with Legends from the Pacific, a weekly podcast about Asian and Pacific culture, which some call the Asian and Pacific version of Grimm's Fairy Tales. Because of my podcast, I've received many listener emails, which included a nine-year-old. Honestly, I had no idea I could hold a nine-year-old's attention. Don't worry, I keep my podcast more family-friendly than stuff on TV. Other emails thanked my podcast for bringing broken families together. And listeners who were mocked and embarrassed for who they were now embrace their heritage. Also, Legends from the Pacific was a finalist for an Asian Society and Culture Podcast Award. So I found out about you when Legends from the Pacific was about six months old. 
While I binged your older episodes, you interviewed various podcast hosts, including Thomas Umstead from Novel Marketing. I was preparing to launch my fifth book and gave Thomas a listen. While I have a background in film and television script writing, Thomas improved my writing skills, and I had a successful Kickstarter for my podcast's first book. The Kickstarter made more in a shorter time than my previous books, so Dave, I can totally relate with your book release struggles, because I went through that with my four books. By the way, Dave, thank you for the signed copy of your book. Today, I'm a sensitivity reader for topics and writings involving Asian and Pacific Islanders. I also help writers and podcasters avoid my mistakes and share what's worked for me. Also, since I share my heritage and lineage, my podcast may have received an uptick when Jason Momoa announced he's developing a series about the Hawaiian chief Ka'iana. Ka'iana was King Kamehameha the Great's most trusted advisor and my ancestor. While it may be unrelated, my podcast downloads have increased, especially my Kamehameha episode, where I briefly talked about Ka'iana and my lineage. I've worked with Jason years ago, and my film and television contacts are trying to get in touch with him, so I may have him as a guest on my show. Oh, and Legends from the Pacific just passed episode 100. I gave a thank you shout out to you and the rest of the Libsyn team. So, because of my podcast, I was able to improve my writing, effectively monetize my podcast through books, inspire podcast listeners to embrace their heritage and not be embarrassed for who they are, and bring broken families together. Before I leave, I just wanted to remind everyone that May is Asian Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and if you have 13 minutes, listen to a Legends from the Pacific episode, and please share it with someone you know, because it may help people embrace their heritage. Please feel free to reach me at legendsfromthepacific.com if you have any questions or are looking for a podcast guest with insight on Hawaiian culture, paranormal experiences, or geek out about films and shows. Because I've been a San Diego Comic-Con professional panelist a couple times and wrote a scholarly book applying genre analysis to Batman. I am Kamuela Kanashiro, or Kamu for short, with Legends from the Pacific. Mahalo and a hui ho. That's Hawaiian for a thank you, and until we meet again. Kamu, thank you so much for sending that in. That is a great story, and and again, it just goes into, I'll give you an example. When I was listening to Vincent's book, I just talked about it a second ago, I think think I'm a little older than he is, but so many of his stories are very similar. Like, there's a story in the book about how he found out about Van Halen's first album, and for me, I can remember exactly where I was the first time I heard Van Halen 1, and the point of that is when you run into someone who you go, oh, wow, you know, I thought I was the only person that thought this way, felt this way, uh, shared this, whatever it is, it's a great feeling. So that is awesome to hear about your podcast. I'll have my conversation with Vincent right after this. From TotalLifeFreedom.com, and is the one and only Vincent Puyesi. You did it. You're the first one to introduce me the way it's supposed to be said. I, I went Italian, man. Uh, I, feel, I feel like my grandmother was in the room right there because I didn't. It brings back memories from the past when we say Puyesi because nobody even knows that because people can't say the Americanized version right. We don't even try with the Italian version. So thank you. <laughs> Let's just start off. When did you know you wanted to start a podcast? I started going to podcast movement because I had a book coming out. I, this is my second book that just came out, but I had a book coming out in 2018 
and 2016, 2017, I had heard like being on podcasts is the best way to talk about your book. So I was like, I'm going to go to podcast movement, but I don't have a podcast. Everybody's like, when's your podcast coming? I said, it's not. I don't want to do a podcast. I have no, I like having conversations, but I don't want to do that. But over time after the book came out and, and what I started realizing with my ADHD brain, I have so many ideas and I will stay up at night because there's this, there's that. And then I'll tell my wife, this is the business we're going to do. And then a week later, I'm going to do this. And then she's like, you're driving me crazy. And then I finally told her, don't worry about any of this stuff until I start spending some real money. <laughs> and I think it's like in the entrepreneurial like lesson that we need to teach our spouses is like, we're going to have a lot of ideas and most of them I'm not going to do anything with. But when I start spending some real money, that's when it's going to happen. So that's what happened with the podcast. I was like, you know what? I need an avenue for these stories and these ideas. And that's where it came from. Like instead of writing down a million ideas on the back of napkins, I'm just going to record a five minute episode and get it out of my mind and publish it where somebody might listen to it and then move on. And it's been like therapy for me. And so when you say, you know, we're, we're kind of joking, you say, you know, doing it wrong right from the start. What is the wrong part? I wrote about it in my book. It's really interesting where I was a huge, we talked about this. I was a huge Guns N' Roses fan growing up. And when they hit it, it was really crazy because you had all these hair metal bands that came in. Then they all follow this formula. Then Guns N' Roses comes in and just knocks everybody down. And I remember my friend Rich came to me. He goes, you got to listen to this. Like another one of these bands. And I played it and I was like, oh my God, like, over and over and over again. So I saw them and in, in, in anytime they came to town, right before they hit it big, I, I was front row, the felt forum in New York City, best concert I ever went to at that age. And then and they played Giant Stadium. They were opening up for Aerosmith and Deep Purple. So what happened was they interviewed Deep Purple. Years later, this interview came out and they said, what do you think about Guns N' Roses? They're kind of taking everything by storm. And they said, you know, they're doing it all wrong right from the start. And they laughed because they didn't, go by the same formula. They didn't do it the way everybody told them to do it. They did it their way, their style, without this formula, and it blew up. So we've always done business that way. Before podcasting, whether it was in photography or online courses, every step of the way, we didn't do what the best business practices were. We didn't have the most optimized website. We didn't worry about SEO or split. None of those things. We went by what was the feel of it? What did we love doing? What did people attach to? And we didn't worry about scale or growth, right? Everything's like scaling everything. How do I create passive income? And I'm like, passive income comes from active work. Just cut it out. It will happen if you do great work, but everybody's trying to jump right into it. So it was never about building a podcast to get the downloads to then cash out. It was, what's the work that I love doing? How do I do it the way that I want to do it? And the right people are going to resonate from that. And if you don't like it, too bad. And that's pretty, that's pretty much the way it started. Well, that's the thing I noticed is where so many times, and, and I'm guilty of this, like we have to figure out who is your target audience so you know what to talk about. It sounds like you did the opposite. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about, and we'll see who it attracts. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah and it's not good business sense, right? <laughs> But I don't like good business sense because good business sense bores me so often because it's so targeted toward – like when everybody says that, what's your ideal audience? Honestly, how the heck do I know when I'm first starting? I didn't. I can tell you what it is. They're 38 years old and they ride a train and they're tired and they're bored and they're you know angry at their – but I don't really know that because what I found out is my podcast I thought was for entrepreneurs. The amount of people that listen to my show, that have full-time jobs, that aren't looking to quit their jobs, but they love the inspiration towards the ideas that they're building, that 
I could never have targeted that. I could only do it by doing the work and then by building relationships to where you can be on other people's podcasts and you can tell these stories and you attract those people. So I'm not saying it's the best way to do it in terms of building the biggest podcast, even though we're doing well, but it's the way that I love to do work. And you know, as a music analogy, Paul Stanley from Kiss got interviewed by Dan Rather and they said, how did you do this? And his answer was, well, I figure if I like something and I do it, invariably, other people are going to like it too. So I might as well do the stuff that I love doing and attract the people from that. So that's kind of the way it happened. And and to we'll, we'll do dueling uh, kiss uh, quotes. Gene <laughs> Simmons go. said, if you do what you love, every day is a vacation or something of that nature. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work or whatever. If I get this right, you you have your own community and you started off by just recording podcasts just for them. Like it That's was it. public, but not for everybody. Like you could have found it if you really tried. But what I basically wanted to do was a radio show for my community. That's how it started. That's how the idea. So everybody's like, oh, it's so unique. Like six minutes, no ads, no intro, no outro, no no music. It's No, it, it started because, well, we need a little radio station for this community. I don't want to post it on Facebook. I'm like, hey, let me shout out Nathan Boyd for paying off $30,000 of debt and, and quitting his job. So a little five-minute thing, post it, and people loved it. So I did that for like 200 episodes, five days a week. Like, it really wasn't a big deal. So I was in a mastermind with John Lee Dumas, and I was thinking of this big production of the next podcast I'm going to do, you know, segments. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you do what you're already doing? Why don't you just do what you're doing for your community and just put that out public? And I'm like, well, that's pretty obvious. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I? Because I'm thinking it needs to be bigger and more nuanced. Well, I was going to say, let, let's, let's back up just for a second, because you threw out a bunch of stuff. And I just want to, I always tell people, your podcast is a recipe. It's not a statue. Did you say no intro, no outro, and no ads? Yeah. Yeah. So there are people that are listening right now going, wait, you you can do that? Mm-hmm. And and yes, you can. And the beauty of it is when you hit play, I don't have to skip a thing. I don't have to worry about, oh, I've heard this intro music 4,000 times. It's like you're in, and my brain was instantly engaged. In fact, it, it took me like two seconds to go, Oh, holy cow, there's no intro music. Like we're, we're there's no there's no warm up act. Like nope. we're right to the headliner. I was like, that's interesting. So I that's one of the reasons I was like, well, this is cool because again, we're kind of on a musician kick. Yeah. But when you're a musician in a band, you play a lot in the basement first before you go public. Yeah. And that's kind of what you did. When you hear the first 50 episodes, it sounded like I just woke up from the one in the community. I, I go back and listen because I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things I talked about there that I didn't even bring to the main podcast. There's still hidden archives that I can still pull out and re-record. And then I go to listen to it and I want to just stab myself in the neck. I'm like, could you sound just a little bit excited? Could you just, could you just try? And I'm like, where did that come from? Well, I needed to be in front of the mic over and over and over again and know how to bring it up and know how to bring it down. Um, so that's where it came from. And even the idea of the no intro was I got so tired of it. I don't need to hear all that, right? And it's, it's who I am as a person. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize sometimes. We're all so unique. You know, when we meet each other at a conference. Everybody's got a different style. Why not create it around your style? My style is not small talk. I do not want to talk about the weather. I don't want to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? I will literally get into a deep conversation within 15 seconds. So why wouldn't I do that? with my podcast. And now it's evolved a little bit. I actually created a little bit of an outro just naturally that I've done for the last maybe 30 episodes just because it felt right. But it took about 1,050 episodes for me to do that. 
because I'm like, yeah, it feels right now. In just a second, you'll hear how Vincent finally chose to go public with his podcast. And later, I'm going to explain how Vincent ended up in a Guns N' Roses video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What made you decide, okay, I'm ready to go public? I think there just comes a point anywhere in life, in business, when you're starting, whether you're in a job and you're going to quit and start your own business, that you kind of go, I'm ready for the next challenge. And that's, and that's what I'm always waiting for the next challenge. I'm at it right now in my career. You just write a whole new book, and I love that moment. I love the moment of it all can fall right on my face. The boringest part for me is when everything is just good and just normal and st- like I want to know that I can fail because it's the only time that I'm really – it's the times that I'm really engaged. It's like, wow. I remember – we'll keep going music analogy. I remember Richie Sambor from Bon Jovi said putting out an album is like taking a hand grenade pulling the pin and covering your ears and waiting for it to explode in your face. And then when it doesn't, you go, Oh, everything's, everything's good. So the idea of putting it out there and, you know, maybe facing embarrassment or people rejecting it, I found really kind of cool. Let's give it a shot. And it hit 10,000 downloads in the first full month. And it's never gone below that since then. And I never expected any of that. All right. I, I will see your Bon Jovi reference and throw one right back at you. The guy that replaced Richie Sambora is Phil X. And Phil X said when he was in a band called Powder that was really interesting, early days of the Podsafe Music Network. So we're talking 2006-ish. And he said they almost got signed numerous times. They did get signed. And then the guy that signed them got axed. He said it was, he said we kept playing in the music business. And he said, and he got an email one day from a woman who had broken her arm. And she said, your music got me through this, all this pain and stuff. And he said, you know what? Why are we even worried about this? Let's just focus on the fans. And he goes, and that's when things really started to, to take off. And I know you do that because you have a community where you actually kind of vet the people that come in so that you make sure you have this community that you're all on the same page. How does that work? If you have somebody that doesn't fit, I kick them out. How do you do that in a loving, nurturing way? Sometimes it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And so, well, here's, here's the deal. I'm nicer now than I was three years ago about okay. it but i'm but i still have the same standards meaning integrity is key and i grew up and i was i was not a good guy growing up dave i was i pushed every boundary you could possibly push there was no integrity there was no honor there was get what you need to get and live in the world you need to live in and it made for a lot of great stories looking back because i survived it but it's not the person i want to be around it's not the person i want to be and it's not the person i want to be a dad as so I had to change a lot. So I understood dishonesty and I understood a lack of loyalty, all those things. And then I realized what's most important and what you don't want. So when you kind of change, it's like James Hetfield. Now, see if you, see if you have a Metallica reference to come back at me with. <laughs> but James Hetfield said, you spend the first half of your life breaking things and the second half of your life trying to fix it. And I'm in the second half of my life with that, where it's like, okay, I want to build a community that has integrity and it has standards and it's, it's the right people for the right people. So if you come in and you're going to pitch under the table you're coaching because you really wanted, you're really just here so you could make some money and not, be, and I find out you're gone. And I say that. I said, if I know, like, I'm not going to be a baby. I'm not going to be like on you about it. But, you know, where there's smoke, this fire. And nobody has ever, it's never come back where it's like, I was wrong about that. Because there's a saying of like, you give them enough rope to hang themselves. And, if I've seen it here, here, and here, and then I kind of do the, all it takes is the, the research and the people 
want a really good community. They want it. Right. So if there's people doing stuff wrong, like, is this right? And I'm like, no, that's kind of not right. So I think as you develop that reputation, you kind of go, you want the right people in here. You want people to be able to collaborate together. There's a lot of people that work together, right? There's people like get work. There's podcast editors and there's writers and there's editors, ghosts, all these type of things. And a lot of them do well working with each other with references. But when you do it the wrong way, if you do it without ethics and morals, it's not going to stand that way. Well, that's it. And if you have a clear set of boundaries, it makes it easy to go, yep, you went out of bounds. Yeah. Thanks for coming. We have some yeah. lovely parting gifts, you know, yeah. and off they go. You have a new book out. How many books do you have total? The second one. The second one. Okay. So yeah. now how long has the second book been out? We're recording on May 9th. It was May 2nd was launch day. So one week from today that we're recording. Do you see a difference in sales with a podcast? Because now you've got your community. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in it, even in terms of the amount of sharing and people just reviewing it and, and pushing it along and telling other people about it. Even within a week, I'm kind of just, wow, like we, we have no PR. We have no marketing. It's like there's my whole thing is, and I'm not sure if you know who John Rulin is. He wrote a book called Giftology. And he has a great conversation about it. He's friends with Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. And right. John told me, he goes, you know, Hal, when he wrote that book, got no traction for like four years. It was only in the fifth year that he started getting some real traction. Now it is the, I believe it's the highest selling self-published book of all time. I believe that wow. book, yeah, I believe it makes around a million dollars a year from what I had heard. It's amazing. And it was self-published and it didn't take off for four or five years. So John came up with this idea. It's a five-year launch. And most people look, mm -hmm. even with a podcast launch, Dave, we've all seen it, right? Big party for my big launch and, and annoy the crap out of everybody. And eight weeks later, you're gone. So my whole vision is the exact opposite. You don't run out of the New York City Marathon when they shoot the gun and start celebrating. You just don't. Imagine somebody running out and they go, I did it. I started the marathon. It's like, no, celebrate at 26.2 miles. So my whole thing is it's a five-year launch, meaning I'm, I've got to do the work. I've got to be on the podcast. I've got to write the blog post. Do, the, do all the work that it takes to get there because it's hard to make a book successful. It's difficult. And I love the challenge of it because there's no guarantee of any of this. So I'm sitting here right now in no man's land, even though professionally we're doing well, but I'm a beginner in this. And I love that. So my whole thing is five years from now, it will be a success. So the challenge of having to do that work week in and week out is the most exciting feeling that I've gotten because it's the very beginning of your career when you're just trying to make it. I miss those days. So I'm kind of bringing that back. So I, I've committed to a certain amount of things I'm going to do every week to just to, to get this book out there. But like you said, having a community, have a podcast, I now have a megaphone to be able to say, hey, Dave Jackson left me this review. Let me read it to you, right? Or this person, hey, we're doing a sale on the book today. If you guys want, I didn't have that option with the first book. So the more the podcast grows, the more there is to get this eventual goal, which is to make the book, which is really fun to do. Yeah, it's a lot like a podcast. You get done with a book and you you turn it into the editor and that whole line George like, All right, I'm done. And you're like, Well, actually the the work is no. just starting. Getting starting. people to read it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And not only read it, but you know, how do you get something, you know, Kent Sanders, who's in a part of our community, is a ghostwriter. You know, we had conversations about this. Like, how does a book get to critical mass? Like, not that mm -hmm. I'm looking for scale, but man, is it exciting to think about how does a Ryan Holiday do it? What does it take? Like, that's what I like. I don't care about the 
end results. I care about what is it? What is the process to get there? And that whole part is so fascinating to me that I feel like a beginner all over again. And Dave, I honestly haven't even charted the sales at all. I can tell how it's going, but I haven't looked at numbers. I don't care. Just like I never looked at podcast stats. Everyone, I'm not even joking when I say this. I would log into Libsyn. I would put my hand over the right-hand corner. I would press the button to schedule, and I'd put it back down for months and years. And then occasionally my hand would be too low, and I'd see it, and I'd be like, oh. And I'd be like, oh, okay, it's going up. I didn't want to know because yeah. I didn't want that to affect the way that I did my work. Well, and I know on your show, again, totallifefreedom.com is where you can find that. You talk about things like time management and things like that and and keeping your mindset. So you're doing a daily show. How do you, what do you use to to capture those ideas? Because I don't know about you, but I get great ideas in the shower. And if I don't write it down the minute I get out, it's gone. It's replaced by four other ones. Do you want to hear this really complex system? Oh, yeah. I have notes on my phone. And I get an idea and I write like four words down and that's the whole thing. And here's my formula to the podcast is I have an idea that I go, I immediately say, is there a story? Yeah, there's a story because I'll think of it. Is there a lesson? Yes, there's a lesson. Now I have a show. People say to me, you should do a show about this. And I'll be like, well, what's the lesson? Or, or they'll say, here's a lesson. Where's a story? And if it's not relatable to my life or somebody I know or somebody I've been influenced by, so those two things have to blend. But if I can blend those, I know the entire show where I'm going to, even though I have no idea what the words are. It's not written out. It's not planned out. And what I'll do is I'll record and I'll pause while I'm recording so I could think. And it makes me sound a lot smarter than I am. Because if you can pause yourself all the time, you'd be like, I'm going to say something. You're like at a bar with somebody. You're talking, and then you pause yourself. And you sit there and you think for a minute. And then you say something. You go, man, that was really good. That's what I get to do with my podcast. So it's not like riffing. I kind of pause. I, I think about it. I, and then I know where I'm going. And then I'm done. And then I just edit it and simple, you know, upload it. And then I'm done. So you've got the new book. People are, you've got a, this audience that's checking it out. They're leaving reviews. So tell us about The Wealth of Connection. What it's about. Who's it for? It came about because I saw so many people trying to make a success of their work and struggling. And you and I talked about this at PodFest in Tampa a while back. It's like the person that comes up to you and you go, I started a podcast or I created a blog and hey, you should check it out. And you're like, who are you? Like what? Like <laughs> I have everybody coming up to me telling me that I should check out their stuff. And what I realized was all these people are starting podcasts and writing books and starting businesses and nobody cares. Nobody cares because we're all so busy with our own stuff. We're also self-involved with our own stuff that unless I know who you are, unless people know who you are, nobody cares. So what happens is these people, they would create this thing they would put a podcast out. It would die within eight mo- eight weeks or they would write a book and it would get three reviews and it would be dead in the water after a month and they would get frustrated and they would, they would blame the system. Nobody listens to podcasts. They blame <laughs> everybody else but them. And then they would say, well, I need to like collaborate with these big name people. So then they reach out to the Dave Jacksons of the world and they go, hey, let me have you on your show. And you go, I don't know who you are and I'm not putting you on my show because I don't know you. And I got a million other people that I do know. So now they don't get to collaborate. So then they kind of go, well, I don't, I need, you need to connect with these people. So they try to connect, but they do it real selfishly, meaning, hey, give me this, or they're not curious about anything. And it's very selfish goals. So I started seeing this pattern so much. I started writing stories and, you know, for years doing podcasts related to it. So I started going through the podcast episodes and the things that I wrote for the blog. And I started seeing a pattern of all this stuff. It was, mm. and, and so what I did was I took it and we flipped it backwards. And I said, 
character is first. Character is key. If you don't have character, if you don't have generous goals over selfish goals, you're always going to go short term, meaning you might have success early, but you're going to be found out because you see it over and over and over again. So the first part is if your generous goals, meaning who am I helping, are bigger than your selfish goals of what house I want to buy, you're going to be in great shape if you can do that, but most don't. So that's the first part, character, then into curiosity. The amount of people that I meet, I hate to say it, but they don't ask any questions. They're not curious. They want to talk. And Robert Kiyosaki says it great. He goes, statements close minds and questions open minds. And from that, there was the idea of when you ask the questions, you control the conversation. The best conversationalists ask questions. They're curious. They want to know what's going on. So those two things are foundational in terms of this whole thing. If you can have good character, and think about this in terms of the people you've met and have come on your show and you've been friends with. If you can have good character and you're curious, interested in other people, you're likable. You're somebody people want to hang around with. That forms a connection, right? So now you get closer to those people. Then comes the fun part, which is collaboration, meaning you and I have known each other for, for a few years now, right? Yeah. And we'd see each other. at pop- But I didn't know you very much. You didn't know me. Over time in conversation, I think we learned to like each other. And, and then eventually, hey, come on my show. That's collaboration. What happens there is it's exponential. Now, I could take, I could take my message. And I get to say it to you and then your audience who trusts you and you've built trust with then gets to hear me. If they like me, now they get to know my message, right? And then I put creation at the end. Almost everybody puts creation at the beginning. Now, if I go write a book or start a podcast and we've done these four steps and we've collaborated, the chance of growth and success is so much higher than doing it the way everybody else does it. So that's where the idea of the book came from and that's how it's all been been laid out. Very cool. And again, you can find that totallifefreedom.com. And I love the thing. I made a post a while back. I said, people that want to make money with your podcast, they all have one thing in common. They're serving their audience and they're solving a problem. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really it. And so when you're like, I'm doing an inspirational show that inspires people to be inspired. Now, granted, some people need inspired. You know, mm-hmm. it's great. It's a great way to start the day. But in some cases, depending on the scenario, like a running show can tie into sneakers. You know, some uh, genres are easier to monetize and things like that. So you've got to, like you said, you got to start off with the five-year launch to have the right mindset. Because like you said, it's 10 episodes and I'm not making any money yet. And I'm not sure why I'm doing this. And let let me ask you that question. Why do you do your podcast? What's your why? Because I love getting those emails from people saying, you really, you really hit something for me today. Like there's nothing better for me with the podcast than getting a message from a listener. It's the greatest yeah. thing. And so I sit here right where I'm sitting with you right now and I record by myself, lonely, staring at a wall and you press publish and you have no idea. It's pulling that pin from the hand grenade. You don't know if anybody's going to respond. And it's, it's brave to do for people to do a podcast because it's, it's lonely and you can get made fun of and you can get chastised or any mistake you make, right? You give a stat wrong and people will remember that and they'll get back to you. So just the idea of when you get those messages saying, you know, that one and I shared it with my friend, they needed to hear it. I don't mm. care about going big, but that's the only reason why I'd want to is because you will affect more lives that way. I think the problem so, so often we want to become big for our ego as opposed to become big for the impact we're making. And when the Mm. impact is over the ego, I think the work that you're going to do is going to have a lot more meaning. 
you know, we started off talking about how you were doing the wrong things the right way, but it wasn't wrong for you. No. Right. This was how it worked for you doing this in that way. So just because somebody says, well, you need three segments and then they all need to be, you know, eight minutes long. No, do whatever works for you. The, the other thing I saw in your title is, uh, and that's another thing you do really good. You have really good episode titles that just make you want to click. My episode titles are based off of 80s metal songs. That's really, if they're titled the same way, they're not titled for SEO. It was like, you need to have the seven. No, I don't want that. I want something that's going to make you, it sounds like a song title. So that's where, that's where it basically comes from. Well, I know you had a couple about imposter syndrome on how, like the positive side of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? The thing about imposter syndrome that I found fascinating is we all deal with it. We all deal with it, but often the imposters are the ones that have a ton of talent. They have a ton of talent. They just don't know it. And they've been kind of told that they don't. And I think a lot of times we're just like, we're forced into these areas where we think we're not as good as we are. And I'm not saying we're the the greatest of all time in terms of, but the work that we do, it was a really interesting study. I think it was Stanford and all these kids that went to Stanford, they're freshmen. And the woman said, how many of you think you're the one that shouldn't be here? Right now, this is Stanford. This is everybody there is is top of their class. 70% of the class raised their hand that thought they were the one that was a mistake. Mm. And it's, we all think we're the one that shouldn't do it. We're the one that shouldn't. I don't have the voice. I hate my voice, Dave. And then somebody told me last week, do you do voiceovers? I'm like, why would anybody want me for a voiceover? <laughs> and they said, no, you got to understand. Everybody doesn't want the, the deep radio, but they, they want different. And we really limit ourselves a lot of times because of that imposter syndrome. Now it's a fine line between not having imposter syndrome and then having a major ego and, and braggadocious. It's, it's a fine line of that, I think. But having an imposter syndrome is healthy because I think it really it pushes us to do the work that we need to do. So it's it's a, I find it pretty fascinating studying that. You ever meet that person that you know they have this talent? And you go, why aren't you doing that? Like, well, nobody ever liked that. It's because their mom said they weren't smart, or their brother made fun of them. It's like all this dumb stuff that somebody says on the on the playground when you're eight years old that you hold on to when you're 40? Like, would you really listen to that eight-year-old again? Like, if you walked up to that eight-year-old, would you really care what they said? But you're allowing that to affect you for 32 more years. And we don't realize we grow and we get better. And the stuff that we saw from our past, we're still limiting ourselves with now. And we have so much more potential than than we're giving ourselves credit for because we're still seeing ourselves as that eight-year-old. Yeah, my brother, I forget who the other singer was, but one of them was Bob Dylan. He said, you sound like somebody and blah, 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 and Bob Dylan when you sing. And that was like, that was it. I shut up from that point forward. I'm like, and then I had a friend of mine that came to my church and heard me sing. And because it wasn't rock and roll, he's like, dude, I didn't know you could sing. And I go, oh, I'm awful. And he's like, I don't know what you heard, but that was, and he had me sing at his wedding. And I was like, wait, you want me to do what? So, so why'd you think you were awful though? Because my brother told me when I was a young kid that I there sounded like Bob Dylan and whatever, you know, so. It's crazy. Like not to get into therapy, but so much of the crap that we go through comes from years ago. Like your dad who was angry at his boss that day said something that killed your dream because you listened to it. And as we wrap things up, if somebody says, I'm thinking of starting a podcast, your advice is. Don't stop. Now I know I've heard you talk about this, right? You don't keep going if it's not working. Like I've heard you on your podcast often mention that. But I do think it's a nuanced conversation. I don't want you to stop because most people quit too soon. 
but you have to read the tea leaves. You have to read the room. Is this working? Right. right? And that's what you talk about a lot is, you know, it, are, are you shifting? I shift, right? Because literally at that time of doing it wrong right from the start, I went into seasons and I went into yeah. these week-long seasons. Dave, it kicked the crap out of me. I was doing so much research for this, these weekly themes that I was like, I wasn't even enjoying it. I wasn't even mm. enjoying it. So I'm like, maybe I'll do it once a month. So I went back. I went back to the daily show because that's who I was as a person, right? And it wasn't, I'm not this structured teacher. I didn't even like teachers. I don't want to become one. So I went, I literally started doing seasons for two months and realized, hey, guys, girls, this isn't me. I'm going back to this. And the audience has stayed around. So I think you need to be able to keep going, but you have to pivot. You have to read the room and understand where people are coming from. And if it's not working, it's not working. But you also have to understand, like you mentioned, is it a hobby or is it a business? Mine's kind of slashed between them. I love it as a hobby. It leads to business, but it's not a business driver, right? Some people, it's all about not only getting downloads for income and ads, but also driving people to your site. I kind of care. I kind of don't care. People come to the community from it. Wonderful. If they just get value in this and listen for years and don't ever spend a dime with me, I'm cool with that too. So I'm kind of a hybrid with, you have to know where you're at, but continue working. That that's my advice. And so this is one of the things I noticed as you kind of talk about that with your attitude, it's like, I kind of care, but I kind of don't, you know, it's like, Hey, if it brings people to my membership site, that's great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Do you think that's one of the reasons why doing a daily show hasn't like just made you crispy is you're not stressed out with like, this needs to make money by next week or, you know, it doesn't need to do anything for me. It's a creative outlet for me. That's blended into a business opportunity. And I think if I stop doing the podcast, cause I've had those moments, I'll come home from being with the kids and their friends and it's 1030. I'm like, Oh crap. I forgot to do a podcast. I can't tell you how many times that's happened. And I'll be like, everybody be quiet. I need 10 minutes and I'll go, you know, <laughs> and, and it's happened a lot. But if I didn't love doing it and if I didn't make a commitment to do it every day, it would it would burn me out. But the whole idea is this is my outlet creatively with a voice. Mm. And so if nobody listened, I'd be like, I'm still going to do it tomorrow because I'm getting something out of it. Personally, the Paul Stanley, thing, I'm getting something out of it. Because the other thing is my book, there's a tremendous amount of stories and storylines in the book that only were developed because I did a podcast on the, on the idea and then I turned it into a written story. So my book wouldn't be what it is without the podcast at all. And I haven't even thought about that since I published. But if I went back, I'd be like the podcast probably had a more of a creative influence on the book than maybe anything else. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, the website, totallifefreedom.com. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Again, the book links everything out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 828. A couple of things I picked up there. Number one, did you notice how did he find out about Guns N' Roses? Word of mouth. In the end, he kind of just went with his gut. And I love the one he said, you don't celebrate at the beginning of the Boston Marathon. You're like, woo, look at me. I'm I like, yay, kudos for you for starting. But you, you really should wait till you celebrate at the end and I was like that's a really good point now I realize next week is the last episode of the month and that is usually where I share all the answers from the question of the month but I will be flying back from Orlando 
having a great time in PodFest. Hope to have a lot of great content coming from that. And so next week, we have a really cool interview with Mark from Beyond Bourbon Street podcast. Find him at beyondbourbonst.com. And I saw where Mark, who is in my book, by the way, Profit From Your Podcast, he's got a lot of great ideas. And I saw where he went over a million downloads and he got a book deal. But also, think about it, Mark's podcast is based on people traveling and coming to New Orleans. And I was like, well, that had to suck during COVID. So I wanted to hear about that. Here's a quick clip. I take it uh, interpreted as being true to what you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, yes, I, I want to make this a money making venture, but I'm also trying to serve my audience. And if I serve them first, I trust that more often than not, the sponsorship stuff will work out. And it has for me. And, of course, you can subscribe for free at schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. And I've got Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and all the rest. And if you're listening closely, you're probably like, hey, Dave, when are you going to get to that Guns N' Roses story? Vincent actually appears briefly in the Paradise City video from Guns N' Roses at the two-minute and four-second time frame. Here's the story. And I was actually, Dave, my claim to fame is I was jumping from a wall during that video. And I'm literally in that video for half a second <laughs> hanging from the giant stadium wall. Because when me and my friend Jean jumped the wall, because Axel Rose said, we're filming a video tonight and everybody flipped out. We all start jumping the wall to get to the floor. Well, Sean jumps over the wall. And then I go to jump. And he's like, don't jump. And I said, what's going on? He's looking. He goes, there's boards of wood with nails on them. And oh. everybody's, and they weren't, you know, nobody ever thought. He was going to be jumping over the wall to get to the floor. They were in the corner. Well, everybody's falling onto these. Ne- they're getting cut and bleeding. And I'm hanging from this 12-foot wall. And as Axl Rose like points to the crowd, there I am. And you know what's amazing about that video? About every other shot, it shows the crowd throwing things at the band. And if I'm the band, I don't want to encourage that activity as someone who has had things I've had beer thrown, not thrown at me, but spilled on me. Uh, Yeah. When you're on stage playing, you don't want to have to, in addition to remembering what to sing and say and play, it's no fun when you have to dodge stuff. So there you go. Fun story. More bloopers coming. Thanks so much for listening. If you are listening to this in May of 2022 and you're at PodFest in Orlando, Florida, I will more than likely be at the Libsyn booth. Please stop by and say hello. Do you have a favorite piece of feedback that you've received from your podcast? Uh, I don't think so. If the podcast brings people to my membership, my membership site, I'm going to do that again. Uh, this will be edit point one because I am too busy listening to my brain could not come up with a question in uh, uh, enough time to. Uh, um, oh, uh, let's talk about the book some more. Yeah. Um, my book is out. And of course, the name of the book is The Wealth of Connection. Thank you, because I wrote connection so poorly on my notes, I could not read that. You're like, I'm it's like, the wealth of something. It's the wealth of comp. No, it's, con- <laughs> <laughs> it's the wealth of connection.